Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. everyone this is david welcome back behind the velvet robe let's just get right into it today because we are joined with two members from the iconic iconic ub40 mr jimmy brown and mr robin campbell hello Hi, boys how you doing you all right what is going on today where are you guys in the world <laughs> we're at home yeah i'm in my back garden it's beautiful we get one day a year where the weather's really nice and today is it so well, I'm enjoying it while I can. Well, it looks very nice there. I have to say, as I sat down to prepare to chat with you guys, I couldn't believe it that it has been 42 years since your first live performance. You can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, does that feel like it was yesterday or does it feel like 42 years? No, it feels like it was a lifetime ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We do feel like we've been at it for quite a long time, yes. An unusually long time. An unfairly long time. Many thousands. I mean, we're going to talk all about that. I want to talk about like the new tour that's coming up, the new music and all of that. But before we get there, that first live show and UB40 coming together, is it true that you guys, I mean, there's this rumor that you were discovered by Chrissy Hine. Is that true? Um, I don't. I don't know whether we were discovered by her, but we were given our first break by Chrissy. Really, we were. We'd been playing for about. Uh, we'd been gigging for about a year uh, around, you know, around the country, and we were building quite a buzz. Uh, in fact, we'd we were already playing in London, which is you know a long way from where we live. So. We were we were doing okay and we were getting a name for ourselves, but Chrissy, because of that, Chrissy came to see us, and uh, she she loved us. She came backstage after the show and said, "I want you on my tour." And she had a number one album and a number one single at the time and a sold out tour. So of course we undenied and said, "Yeah, go on, man," you know. And uh, she took us on her tour and it kind of, that was the springboard. We released a single while we were on that tour. And when we finished the tour, 30 odd dates later, we were in the top 10, you know, in the charts. So 
It wow. was uh, you could you could say she discovered us, but uh, she she certainly gave us our, our first leg up. Well, you're right. You guys were together. She just catapulted you through this. You don't say no to a tour that's sold out. <laughs> um, yeah, Chrissy likes likes us likes everyone to think that she's this hard nosed uh, rock chick, you know. Uh, but she's really a pussycat. She's lovely. We had a we had a nice time, and we're still friends to this day. Mm-hmm. She does want everyone to think that, doesn't she? Oh, for sure. That's her image. <laughs> where, where did the name UB40 come from? Jim? Uh, uh, well, actually, yeah. Um, it comes from UB means unemployment benefit. It comes from the unemployment benefit card, which was Form 40, that you presented at the, the what we used to call the Dole Office, uh, uh, Social Security Office. And they would give you a little pittance to uh, to survive. And uh, we, we were all on that at the time because we were, we'd given up our jobs. We were dedicated to, to working every day with the band. We were getting up in the morning and going every day to rehearsal. And uh, and it really, without that unemployment benefit, you know, we would never have got the band together. Um, so we thought we'd celebrate it by calling ourselves GB40. <laughs> because maybe after that, you would never need that unemployment again. Well, well the first was, album's that... called Signing Off. So yeah. uh, That was the plan. That was the idea, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, you really kind of broke through here in the U.S., you know, in 1983 with Labor of Love, you know, a whole album early on in your career of cover songs. You know, a lot of bands wait till, you know, later in their careers to do cover songs. How did that like where did that decision come from? Well, we we'd always wanted to do it because we always got asked by journalists, uh, you know, why we played reggae. How come we were playing reggae? Well, for us. It was perfectly normal. There was never a discussion for us what the kind of music we were going to play. Uh, Where we grew up, we were surrounded by reggae music, by Jamaican pop music, you know. That was on the streets and in the clubs and the pubs. Everywhere we went, we heard locally, we heard reggae, you know. So that uh, that was standard for us. And then... But um, But the album of covers was... We just wanted to show everybody... Uh, the music that we fell in love with, the music that made us want to play reggae and the the songs that made us want to form a band in the first place. And uh, it was, yeah, it was early in our careers, but it was it was something we'd always had planned. And in fact, the record companies, the first couple of record companies that we were with uh, were very much against it, you know, and they kept saying, that's a crazy idea. You know, you're a, you're a serious political band and, you know, people will... Uh, you know, will not like a, an album of covers, you know. And we said, well, to us, it's important that we show where the music comes from and where our love for the music comes from, you know. So when we signed to Virgin, uh, we told him, we told Branson our idea, and he said, whatever you want, guys. You you do whatever album you want to do, you know. And he was the first guy that said to us, I will never put any restrictions on you. I'll never try and control you creatively. I want you to do what you want to do. And uh, that was why we liked him so much and we signed with him. That was And that was the first proper album we did with Virgin. So can we thank Richard Branson for UB40's Red Red Wine? Well, Ooh. I think we can thank Neil Diamond for it, actually, apparently. <laughs> But yeah, we never knew it was a Neil Diamond song. 
he can thank the Salvation Army, can't he? Because he bought the rights to that song. Didn't actually write the song himself. So uh, we're paying it forward. And, uh, <laughs> Is that true that you guys didn't know that it was a Neil Diamond song? I had no idea. We had no idea. We were covering we were covering a reggae version, a reggae cover of Neil Diamond's song. Uh, had no idea that he that he'd uh, released a, a version of that song, and I was wow. told by a Rolling Stone journalist that he didn't write the song; he actually bought it. Um, it's an old nineteenth um, century temperance song, yeah. and uh, wow. and he he bought it and released it in the sixties. But uh, yeah, we had no idea about that record at all. Interesting. Yeah, I always thought that Neil Diamond wrote that song. Well, so does wow. everybody else. And Neil Diamond claims, he, he always says, one of my songs, you know. But, uh, yeah, he owns it. <laughs> and, and, this, and this came to you from a Rolling Stone journalist told you that he bought yes. it. Yes, yeah. When, I, when we were doing, um, wow. we were playing Russia in um, the Soviet Union, in, before the wall came down, before when the Iron Curtain was still up, mm-hmm. um, 86, I think. 86, yeah. The year of Chernobyl, as it turns out. Yeah, we played Russia in 86. And uh, Rolling Stone was one of the magazines that was there covering it because it was such a big deal uh, for a Western band to be touring in Soviet Russia, you know. Uh, In those days, it was very unusual. And uh, Rolling Stone were there covering it. And the journalist, who shall remain nameless, uh, he, (laughs) he told me all sorts of things about uh, the translation and how how it wasn't they weren't translating what we were saying in, into Russian they were making they had their own agenda uh, but he also said to me did you did you know that uh, red red wine is actually not a neil diamond song he owns it he bought it and he explained all about it to me and that was the first i knew is this rolling stone journalist still alive today <laughs> well, ah, if, we we if he remains nameless, then oh, I couldn't possibly tell you, could I? <laughs> well, I'm glad you said that he should remain nameless because you know that that was my next question. <laughs> but also on this, you know, Labor of Love was one of your biggest hits ever. I can't help falling in love with you. How did that come about? I mean, it's an Elvis song. How did you yeah, decide well, to that? that? Actually, that actually wasn't on the Labor of Love collection at all. That was uh, a song that we were asked to record for the movie Honeymoon in Vegas. And it never got used for the movie. They took, uh, they asked a bunch of people to record a bunch of different Elvis tunes. And they asked Bono to record the same track, Can't Help Falling in Love. And they took the Bono version. So we had it sitting, it kind of languished on the shelf for about a year. And then, and then, uh, they got in touch with us and said that um, the producers of Sliver wanted to use the tune, the Sharon Stone movie. They wanted yeah. to use that. And we said, yeah, fine. And uh, that's what happened, you know. But uh, it went number one everywhere. And it went number one in America as well, which was a big surprise. Did you guys ever meet Sharon Stone? She came, she came to a show in Los Angeles and she wanted to get up and sing with us. Um, and she kind of sprung it on us a bit too late in the day, you know, and we said, we can't do it without rehearsals. I'm sorry, you can't just walk up on stage and start singing. She wanted to do the uh, I Got You, Babe, you know, the Sonny and Cher number that we did with Chrissy. And um, 
but we just said that can't happen without rehearsals. So really sorry. And she kind of stormed off, got got upset with us. But uh, she was very complimentary about the record. She said it was a lot more successful than the film. Which <laughs> it was, I think, yeah. Do you regret saying no to Sharon Stone? Oh, I'd always regret saying no to Sharon Stone. What can I say? <laughs> uh, what, you said no to Sharon Stone. Why did you do that? But, uh, yeah, I'd have had her on stage, but I'm the drummer. So there you go. I don't really care whether these singers get it right or not. You know. And then she stormed off and she was not thrilled. And we've never seen her since. She wasn't happy, <laughs> apparently. Apparently. I mean, I don't know because I, I didn't see her. I just responded to her request. <laughs> Speaking of I Got You, Babe, was it intimidating to cover Cher? No. No. Chrissy wanted to do the tr- the tune. And, uh, and well, Ali claims, my younger brother Ali claims that he thought he, he wanted to do it first. And she says that she wanted to do it. So we, li- we leave them two to argue about that. But... It was uh, it was easy to do, really. We we all knew the tune, you know. It wasn't a it wasn't a surprise, but uh, yeah, you just try and give it your own uh, touch, you know, and give it a new identity. And uh, I think that's what we did because in, certainly in this in this country, um, I think our version gets more play than anything else, you know, wow. than the original, even more than Sonny and Cher. Yeah, I think yeah, so. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. But also wow. we kind of fallen in love as well. I think that uh, we've had the most success with that song and that's been covered by uh, lots and lots of people. So, lots of uh, people. I think we're the only people to ever have it at number one. I don't think Elvis got it to number one and neither did, uh, who was, Andy Williams was the other guy, wasn't he? He did a version. I don't think he got it to number one. I think they both got it to number two. <laughs> wow. Did you guys ever meet Cher or hear from Cher after no. you covered? No. No. No, no we all- I think that they uh, they didn't want to unplug it from the formaldehyde long enough to. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say now, I know you said no to Sharon Stone, but if Cher came up to you earlier in the day and said, may I please get up and sing this song with you if you're going to sing it in concert tonight, would you have said yes? You'd have oh, to consider sure. it, wouldn't you? For sure. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and of course, she's a singer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And a that, wonderful singer too. So yeah, of course if, we would. Be, if she says she can do it, then I believe her. Yeah. I mean, I've seen Cher many a time. I've seen you guys many a time. I think she could handle it, even yeah, at the last minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you get as stressed out when planning a vacation as I do? Where to go? What to do? Where to stay? I definitely needed some extra help in choosing the perfect spot for my next vacation. And that is why I turned to Apple Vacations. They're great. They're known as America's favorite vacation company for good reason. Just think of them, and this is music to my ears, as your one-stop shop for that next-level summer vacation. Apple Vacations will help you plan your entire getaway with confidence from start to finish. We're talking personalized service, exceptional values, and so much more. Plus, you can choose the most gorgeous destinations like Mexico, the Caribbean, Central America, Hawaii, and the continental U.S. Each all-inclusive Apple Vacations package includes round-trip airfare, hotel accommodations, meals, drinks, entertainment, 
and tips. Nonstop transfers are also included at no additional cost at select hotels. So the entire vacation is as seamless as possible. For a limited time, you can use promo code SAND75, that's SAND75, and take $75 off your stay at Live Aqua in Cancun or Punta Cana. Just go to applevacations.com slash BTVR to get the steal of a deal to your favorite live aqua resort today. Again, just go to applevacations.com slash BTVR to get this amazing deal at your favorite live aqua resort today. Do you guys ever feel, how do you feel about, like, do you feel a band, you know, that is still making current music today, which we're going to get to, like you guys, you know, that had this, these huge, massive hits in the eighties. Like, do you think there's a responsibility to sing your hits? Like, you know, you talk to like a Madonna, like Madonna doesn't think so. I, I definitely think so. I think uh, that's why people come to see you. They want to hear the songs that they fell in love with and the songs that remind them of their wife, husband, boyfriend, uh, parties, you know, holidays, whatever. It's it's nostalgia, you know, and people are coming to relive those moments. They're coming to hear the songs that made them fall in love with you in the first place. How can you not play them those songs? That's ridiculous. And I, I despair of artists that refuse to play their hits. I think it's ridiculous, you know. I mean, it's, it's quite... That's why they're there. Yeah, it's crazy, you know, you've got you've got to put a set together, you've got to entertain people, and you want to come off stage when everybody's at a high, you know, and the way you do that is by playing the hits. And we're lucky enough, lucky than, luckier than most bands, we've got half a dozen, you know, top ten top ten hits that we can play, obviously Red Red Wine, Can't Help Falling Love, but other tunes as well, like Kingston Town, Here I Am, uh, The Way You Do The Things You Do, these are all big hits, you know, and if you don't use them, as a tool to create a good show, then you're letting people down, really. You know, we're lucky. We can we can we can sprinkle these big hits through the show, and then we can play unknown material in between, and you don't completely lose the attention of your audience. You've always got something that will bring you back. You know, and not to use that tool just doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, and we also not just have successful covers. We've got lots of our own original hits as well from the top 10, you know, like uh, Sing Our Own Song and One in Ten and Food for Thought and King. There's there's many, many tunes. And, you know, I mean, we try to do as many of those as possible in every set. We also introduce them to new material as well, of course, because that's what you don't want to be a cabaret act. You want to play them your new music, you know. You want them to... Uh, to give it the stamp of approval. You want to find out what your fans think of your new music. So, of course, you want to play that too. But you don't want to alienate your audience by not playing the ones they've come to hear. Totally. What was it like, you know, like when you guys first had that big breakthrough, like in the US, you know, that was the time of like Michael Jackson, Madonna, like I mentioned, like Prince, Whitney, like what, you know, Duran Duran, like what was the music like, could you feel there was something in the air then? I don't know. I just think these are, these are like real musicians, you guys included, like, and who were your 80, 80s friends? Like, who, who did you hang out with at that time? Out of <laughs> the famous acts that we all know. You know, we never played the game. You know, you talk, this, you guys talk about, you know, behind the velvet rope and all that, but we stayed at home. You know, we didn't go to the parties and 
you know, and have the VIP rooms and all that kind of thing. We we just came home after tours and, you know, we don't throw parties to promote our, our music. We'll just put on a show for anyone, you know. We don't do VIP. And um, the, parties, the parties we do throw, they generally we tend to have fans there, you know. Yeah. People that we're friends with aren't necessarily other musicians. Yeah. Uh, very often we've made friends with fans in every country we go to. And they come and see us again and again, you know, so they become friends. Um, we socialise. I mean, of course, we have met artists and, and we've had, uh, especially when we come to America, we've had, uh, you know, film stars turn up and that's lovely, you know. But we, but as Jimmy says, we've never played that game, you know. We've never played the fame game and uh, we never liked it. You know, we never wanted to be involved in it, really. Uh, we we didn't used to turn up in... Uh, at gigs and and demand to be get getting backstage or anything. If I go to someone else's gig, I buy a ticket. You know, yeah. I'll, wow. I'll go and watch the show. Yeah, but that's, but that's you know that's us. I've, you know, we just don't play that game. Never have done. So, like, if you go to see another act, you don't say like, "Get me in the front row, get me backstage," all of that. Only if I know them. If I do actually know them and I've met them and and we're friends, yeah, but. Uh, no, I would never. I would never get my people to bring your people and say, you know, he wants to come backstage. I would never do that. And of course, we're never going to say, "Do you know who I am?" You know, <laughs> that would be desperate, wouldn't it? It's just not you guys. Not at all. No. no. Well, you're very humble because you know you've sold over a hundred million albums worldwide. Had three number one UK singles, 50 singles have entered the UK charts, four-time Grammy nominees, two number one singles in the US, and you still, to this day, sell out stadiums, not small venues, stadium tours throughout the world. So do you ever have those moments of like, pinch me, like what a career? Every day. Every day, day, yeah. Yeah. Me and Jimmy are forever saying this in interviews, you know, that we, we pinch ourselves constantly on a daily basis because how the hell can you believe the life we've had, you know, for over 40 years? Yes, we dreamt of it. We dreamt that we were going to be in a band and we would be successful and it would give us a career, you know, but nobody imagines that they'd still be doing this in their 60s, you know, and as you say, still being able to travel anywhere in the world and sell a venue out, you know, that's a fantastic, it's, you know, it's a it's a wonderful opportunity that we can still do that, you know, and it's uh, we we consider ourselves very fortunate. Yeah, I think it took us a while to come to terms with things, you know. Uh, at first, we'd have audiences cheering, and you'd be looking behind yourself to see who's just come on stage, you know. And it's hard to like relate that adoration to you personally, you know. It's quite a difficult thing. After a while, you have to come to terms with the fact that they do love you, and if that's that's the way it is. That's the way it is. Enjoy it for for people who don't ever get that opportunity. You know, it's a, it seems mad for some artists to get all sensitive and 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 want to give away that kind of success just because they're not in a good mood or you know, it just seems so indulgent to do that. You know, we appreciate that success and we love our fans. Literally, love we absolutely, our fans. we absolutely appreciate our fans and the yeah. fact that. They're still coming, and some of them are three generations still coming. You know, that some people now bring their grandchildren to our shows, and that that is an incredible buzz 
and um, and and really a privilege that you that you can still be playing to those people, you know. Yeah, and, and it's a whole new generation. It's turning yeah. up at your yeah. shows without their parents or their grandparents. Just having teenagers turn up is, for me, it's a fabulous thing that kids are finding us on social media and and getting into us, you know. And I've, I love that. I love the fact that that happens, which is what I, I've done all my life, got into music that was, you know, that I didn't hear until later, you know, and, and gone back and, and researched artists and, and things like that, you know, and that's what kids are doing now. And it's uh, it's brilliant to see teenage kids in the front row of your audience. I mean, you know, and let's face it as well, there's not, not every band can just get up there and do it, you know. They have to use a lot of technology or whatever. Artists using their aerobics, you know, work out as, as part of the stage set. And, you know, we just get up there, and play and you know and and hopefully it's going to gel and and sound good and i think people appreciate that on a real basic level of live performance you know with the not too many strings no uh choreography and you know no special effects just the music just I think the music. Young, younger people love that as well yeah we don't have dancers no we don't <laughs> we just we just dance ourselves and get the audience to dance you know because it's about a party it's not about creating a fake one you know it's about the music. Yeah. yeah. And we dad dance the audience into submission. That's what we do. <laughs> well, I mean, they're still showing up. So whatever it takes. They are, right? yeah. And it looks like our dad dancing. <laughs> I can't tell you how much traveling I've been doing in the past few weeks. And airports and airplanes are packed. People want to get away. Listen, if your dreams of that vacation or enjoying the fun of life are turning back into a reality for you, Don't stress over the financial setbacks that can keep you from saying yes. Credit Karma is here to help you keep your financial goals in check so you won't have to hit pause on a good time. Credit Karma's game-changing technology shows you tailored offers for credit cards and personal loans that you're more likely to be approved for so you can apply with more confidence. They use your credit and other financial information to show you custom recommendations. Whether you want cash back, travel rewards, or to consolidate debt, Credit Karma can help you find the offers that fit your goals because your goals may not be the same as my goals. With a selection of options and approved odds, you have the power to make informed decisions. Credit Karma, apply with confidence and you will be on that beach enjoying that drink in no time. Go to creditkarma.com slash podcast to learn more and find offers tailored just for you. That's creditkarma.com slash podcast. Or you can see your offers on the Credit Karma app. Apply with confidence today. Go to creditkarma.com slash podcast or the Credit Karma app. Do you guys have like a career, a career high? Like if you think about all these things I just mentioned, like the awards, the travel, like is there one moment or two that stands out as a high? There are some. It's, um, it's, it's hard to pick, you know, one or two, but, but um, playing South Africa after uh, Mandela was out of prison and president of the country and apartheid was outlawed, um, to be then invited to go to South Africa and play to, over 70,000 people a night, that was incredible, you know, um, and a real buzz and a real 
goosebump moment, you know. That was uh, uh, the closest I've been to crying like a baby on stage when you when you're singing your songs that were banned a few years previously and the audience are singing them back to you, you know. You know that they were listening when they were banned. You know that they're fans. And for over 70,000 people a night to turn up, you know, that's that was pretty crazy. incredible. We still hold the live record in South Africa. We oh, had wow. three... Uh, three three nights of 210,000 people. But there's all the other stuff as well, you know. The first time you have a top 10 hit, you know, that was worth worth celebrating. First time we have a number one, we played Madison Square Garden with a number one single and a number one album in America. You know, Madison Square Garden to us was one of those iconic venues. That was a buzz. That was a buzz. To be playing yeah, Madison you know. Square Gardens with a number That's one single. Exactly. The last time you saw his Muhammad Ali head. was knocking people out, you know, and... Yeah, it was just one of those. And also we've had other other moments touring the Pacific Islands, you know, doing Tahiti, Tonga, New Caledonia, places like that. You know, they're Fiji. They're, bands don't go there, you know. They don't go there, they don't tour. But we did. And it was just like going to paradise. And a third of a third of the population of the islands turns up to your shows, you know. It's wow. it's incredible to do those kind of things. And we are when we were inducted into the Maori Nation in New Zealand, you know, that was an incredible honour. You know, to be honorary Maoris is pretty special. <laughs> the wait is over. That's right. Season five of The Kardashians is here. Just when you thought life couldn't get any faster, they're punching it into overdrive. Chris, Courtney, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, and Kylie are back and continue to defy expectations in all their endeavors. So get ready to go behind the glitz and glamour of the most iconic family on television. The all-new season of The Kardashians premieres May 23rd, streaming on Hulu. Yeah, that's a big honor. There are just, there's many, many of them, you know. Long career, you know. (laughs) Yeah. What about, how do you write this new music during a pandemic how did that come about and how does one record an album during the pandemic in person did you do it over zoom well sort of we uh we already had the album the for the many we had that album recorded and finished before because uh, we were touring the album in 2019 before the pandemic so um we intended to do a collaboration using the music from that album so uh, yeah, when lockdown happened, we just sent digitally, we sent the music around the world to different artists and friends that we've met over the years and invited them to put their songs on our music. Uh, so the music was already in existence, you know, uh, but we just gave them free reign to do whatever they wanted on top of our music. And um, everybody we sent music to sent us a song back and some of them sent several songs back. So that was how it was done. I mean, they recorded over what we sent them digitally. They recorded it and sent it back digitally. And then we arranged and mixed it uh, in in our studios in in, uh, at home. Where does the name Bigger Bugger Rhythm come from? Well, we we actually released an album called Bagger Rhythm. Got to put that slight little bit of drive accent on there. You, know, bag of reading. Uh, you say it better than I do, so okay, there you go. Uh, so we did that album, which was showcasing local artists, local DJs, local rappers, um, 
who were working in Reggie. You know, there was just millions of them everywhere at that time. Local Birmingham, Birmingham artists. But yeah, they're all from Birmingham. And then later, 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 we've done Bigger Bagger Rhythm, which is the same concept of showcasing artists. But we've had, obviously, an international career since then. And we travelled the world several times and met new people and made new friends. And, and we wanted to reflect that. And also reflecting the fact that Reggie itself is an international music. So everywhere you go, there'll be a local band playing reggae in their own way, you know, that reflects how, how, how they feel and how they interpret the music. So that, that's another thing we wanted to show with the, with the album. It's a very eclectic sounding record. You don't know what you're going to get next. I love that. I mean, that's what I think when I think of UB40. I think all your music is eclectic and it really kind of, you know, it has obviously huge reggae influences, but you really cover it all. What about you're heading out on tour later this year? Like, do you have a bigger appreciation? I know, fingers crossed. Do you have a bigger appreciation for like performing live now that you haven't done it in a minute? I'll let you know when we actually do get up on stage. uh, We didn't, we, the last show we did was Christmas 2019. And we haven't been on stage since then. So once we do get up there and uh, blow away the cobwebs, we'll let you know. Yeah, that was was the opening show. That was the opening show of our UK tour. Wow. To promote our new album then, the For The Many album. Um, And that was the opening show. And we actually only got to do that one because lockdown happened. (laughs) So, you know, we've been waiting. uh, By the time we play, it'll be it'll be two years, you know, continuing the tour. But then, of course, we're going to be promoting the new album as well. I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure the fans can't wait. I can't wait. I'm sure you can't wait. How do you feel music? Like, what do you think of the current state of music today? Like, how do you think music has changed since you guys first started? Oh, well, you know, it's obviously in some ways that, uh, you know, the record business has been sort of destroyed by pirating and, you know, the growth of technology and all that. But also it's democratized things as well, because before the technology, you could get the technology, you had to pay £2,000 a day, $3,000 a day to work in a state of the art, uh, you know, analog studio. Whereas for a lot less than that, you can own your own studio now, which means in that your bedroom. <laughs> so many yeah. more people have got access to the means of making making music, recorded music. You know, so I mean, in other ways, things haven't changed because we're a live band, and in the end, turning up, playing, getting paid, breaking down, moving to the next town. That's something that's been going on for thousands of years, you know, and that really hasn't changed that much. But when it comes to the record business, I think it has completely changed. I certainly wouldn't have any advice for any young bands. In the, in the music business, you know, except to play. Get up there and play is the only thing you can do. What about all these, like, you know, America's Got Talent and American Idol and, like, all these competition shows? What do you think of those? You're shaking I, your head. I, I generally hate them. Yeah, but I, there's never been any difference. You know, they've always been around, haven't they? You know, yeah, talent, talent shows. Talent I mean, shows. there are more of them, and they tend to be the same companies that run them globally, uh, you know. That got got talent is a is a franchise, you know, and I can't stand it. But talent shows have been around for a long, long time, you know, as long as I can remember. Um, 
and I've I've never liked them, but occasionally some great artists come out of them. You know, yeah, uh, there are some brilliant singers that have come out of uh, the Voice and uh, got talent, but for the most part, it's dreadful. And yeah, they can't all be as good as the Gong Show, can they? You know, they can't be what? Can't all be as good as the Gong Show. You know what I mean? That was always my <laughs> favourite talent show, the Gong Show. I remember the Gong, the Gong Show. Terrible. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think they're terrible? Because they're not actually looking for talent. They're looking for uh, viewing figures. And very often, something really terrible and embarrassing can have much higher viewing figures than something good, you know. And that's a shame. I don't think there's anything wrong with, uh, you know, with looking for new talent. That's a constant hunt and that will always be going on you know people will always be searching for the latest thing the newest thing the newest talent the newest sound you know um sometimes it's great other times i mean i I hate i hate vocal tuning the fact that every vocalist now has his has his vocal tuned i think it's dreadful it's a horrible homogenizing of vocals of voices so that you can hardly tell the difference between singers anymore because because the 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 character of the machine is more important is more dominant than the character of the voice you know yeah. and that's a real shame because I love singers you know and I I love music but I I I just think it's a real shame that the good artists as well are allowing themselves to be produced in that way. Um who's the uh who's the Canadian crooner? Bublé. Michael Bublé. He's yeah, Mickey Bubble. He's um his last album was all auto-tuned. And that is that is just heartbreaking for me because that's a guy who doesn't need auto-tune. He really doesn't need tuning and he doesn't need to, to be made to sound robotic. He's got a beautiful voice. He's a beautiful singer with great pitch control. Why does he need a, you know, why does he need that modern technology? Because he needs to sound like everyone else. That's dreadful. And you probably think there's like a, the record company or whoever's involved is like, this is how you sell records today. Yeah. Let's go there. Absolutely. We've had we had the same uh, problems when we were making records. People would be coming and trying to tell us what our record needed, you know, uh, a little bit more rock guitar, etc. You know, and we would just tell them to go away as uh, kindly as we could. Always politely. Always uh, politely. Yeah. More polite than you told Sharon Stone not to get up on the stage. <laughs> told her politely. We said fuck off in the nicest possible way. How <laughs> else are you supposed to say? I'm j- Listen, it's good. If someone says no to Sharon Stone every now and then, I don't think that's the worst thing that could happen to her. It's a good life experience. <laughs> Is there any new music that you guys like? You know, you look at like Justin Bieber, like Britney Spears, Dua Lupa, Ariana Grande. I'm just naming a few. Yeah, that'll be no to all of them, I think. I, I think Dua Lupa's a beautiful singer, you know. Uh, and I hear stuff all the time that I like. I don't necessarily know who it is or remember who it is. Uh, I don't necessarily go out and buy their records. But I do hear singers that I think are good and I hear uh, 
I hear songs that I think are quite clever and, you know, but uh, generally I tend to listen to older music, you know, uh, because I like natural, naturally produced music. Um, so, yeah, I, I, um, I'm always on a nostalgia buzz, you know. I'm always listening to uh, the music that got me playing music in the first place, that made me want to sing, made me want to be in a band. I still play that same music. That doesn't mean I don't ever listen to modern music because that's what your kids are for, you know. Your kids always are playing the latest thing and they're, have you listened to this, Dad? You know, so I I still hear stuff all the time. I hear new stuff. My, my son is... Uh, 33 I think and he uh you know he plays me the latest stuff all the time if I'm in the car with him I'm gonna hear the music he listens to all the time but he also listens to the music that I listen to so you know it's uh but it it keeps you it keeps you young you've got to keep your ears open you know you don't you don't ignore it all and yeah I enjoy music without really knowing who I'm listening to necessarily I must admit, I'm on a nostalgia buzz for the 1990s because that was my favourite period in music. So I'm constantly playing old drum and bass tunes or, you know, some... I've been playing Kruger and Dorfmeister and, yeah, and giving it loads <laughs> of dad dancing. And uh, when you're hoovering, you know, a bit of drum and bass when you're hoovering is a beautiful <laughs> thing. And uh, just generally enjoying that period when I was partying the most, I suppose. So, you know, that, I'm stuck in the 90s with... Uh, with hip-hop and drum and bass. And Who are your favourites from the 90s? Well, like I said, Kruder and Dorfmeister and um, uh, uh, Seedry Corporation, um, uh, 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 Omni Trio, got a lot of stuff from Moving Shadow label, a lot of drum and bass. Um, you know, just at a time when that new music every day was coming out with something new and different. You know, you were going out to clubs a lot. And I was always in the chill out room listening to, you know, slower beats and that kind of stuff, you know. So, yeah, it was a good time, you know. I would agree. I mean, I try to get into new music and I have a hard time myself. I am like nostalgic. And even when I go to iTunes, I mean, I buy tons of new. I like to own the actual thing and I just buy everything from the past. I'm like, oh, I don't have this. And it's I can't get into new music every now and then one or two acts but it's really hard and like to your point yeah you don't know what you can't tell a lot of it apart really mm-hmm. what about i mean you guys have traveled the world you know you have sharon stone wanting to come up on stage do you do you get starstruck like you guys have probably met everyone and been at all the award shows like we get starstruck with our support bands you know because <laughs> we, we turn up and we have people like sly and robbie supporting you know and burning spear and uh the whalers. Yeah, the whalers, you know, and the they're star- and we're starstruck with them, you know. We go into their dressing room for autographs, you know. <laughs> and, uh, so we're we're constantly starstruck. But also we our big heroes from, from Jamaica, for instance, the crooners from Jamaica, the great singers from the seventies, you know, the late sixties, early seventies, um, John Holt, you know, Gregory Isaacs, people like that, you know. We, we work with these people and had the privilege of working with these people. Another thing to strike off your bucket list, you know, we've actually worked with our heroes and uh, we can't believe we get away with it, to be honest. <laughs> and you were also had a cameo in Speed 2 with Miss Sandra Bullock. 
I think Speed 2 is due a cult reappraisal. <laughs> Definitely, it's happening. I know it's happening, and I think it's going to happen more. And I think in the future, we're going to be looking at speed, back at Speed 2 and be going, that was a really cool film. It's and two, two cool people as well, Jason Patrick and Sandra Bullock, both really nice people. Yeah, they're lovely, yeah. How was Sandra Bullock to work with? Just one, just lovely? Just gorgeous. Gorgeous yeah, in lovely. the flesh. Gorgeous. But also smart and funny and very friendly, you know. No no sort of superstar about her at all. She was just a really nice girl. Well, that's what they say about Sandra. And you think Speed 2 is going to have a resurgence, like a showgirls or something like that? That's Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So what? bad it's good. Did you pick... What I have learned is that I think these, these film stars, they secretly want to be us because they secretly want to be on stage taking in the adoration of an audience, whereas making a movie, obviously you don't get that feeling, you know, which is why so many stars got their own little band on the side, you know, and, and want to perform. So I, I don't feel, I, I think that I feel a positive vibe coming from people like, you know, Sharon Stone and people like that, because they, they know we're doing something real. You know, well, We've had enough actors come to our gigs and hang out backstage and stand on the side of the stage watching the shows and stuff you know i mean we've had enough musicians as well well to your point about you know like you have kevin bacon has the bacon brothers and you know like even jared leto had like 30 seconds to mars like okay that was the the real deal but i i think you're right about a lot of these actors want to be the rock stars yeah definitely yeah 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 because you get instant gratification from your audience then you know have you ever had someone come backstage, like to your point of all these, you know, movie stars where they're just like, you know, less than pleasant? They think it's their, you know, they're entitled. They have their entourage. It's... They wouldn't dare. We've, we've got a gang, you know, we're a gang of like, you know, with the crew. It's 20 people. You know, if you if you upset us, you know, you, you, you upset everybody, you know. It's, uh, that's the way it is when you're on the road. There's a camaraderie and... You know, and a feeling of, you know... I think we're too down-to-earth anyway. I don't think you could get away with that kind of behaviour with us, you know. I don't think anyone's ever tried that, really. Uh, and if they do, we would just uh, we'd just be ignoring them. <laughs> and, like, there's more of you than I'm sure there is of them, right? You guys are a big band. There's always more of us. You know, when we went to... We've, uh, we've um, you know, we've travelled to, say, Brazil, for instance, and they say to you, oh, you don't want to go out after such, such a time. But we go out because there's a dozen of us are grown men, you know, and, and not very many people are going to approach a gang of a dozen grown men. And especially when we're, we're not, you know, we're from the inner city as well, you know, so there's a lot of quite tough people involved with the band, you know. You guys can throw down. If we have to, yeah. What is next for UB40? We have the tour starting in November. We have the new album, June 25th. Oh, I know, just waking up and another day would be good, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, I mean, we have shows uh, scheduled for the summer. Yeah. Um, whether they're actually going to happen or not. We've just had some more shows pushed back uh, to July and August uh, that were supposed to be happening this month. So yeah. who knows? You like know, we, fingers we, crossed. Fingers crossed and we keep hoping that these concerts are going to happen. And, uh, of course, we've got the UK tour coming up and we'll just be waiting with fingers crossed. We'll get together. We'll have some practice, some rehearsals, you know, and uh, work out what we're going to do. And then hopefully the gigs will go.
go ahead. But we have no control over that, you know. It's horrendous. Perhaps a U.S. tour after that. You'll stop by Madison yes, Square Garden again. We are already talking about an Ameri- an Ameri- a tour of uh, the U.S. in 22. Uh, but we're also talking about uh, New Zealand, Australia and European dates and African dates. Uh, so, you know, everything that we were going to be doing in 19 and 20, uh, 20, 20, 20 and 21, I've all been moved to 22. So, you know, uh, it's going to be a busy year. If, if, if the world opens up, it will be a very busy year for us. Hopefully it will. 10 years from now, do we still <laughs> we see you guys? We don't seen that far at our age, you know. You think, well, you might go another couple of years out of it. You never know. Yeah, I talk as if I talk as if you know the next couple of years is going to be my last couple of years on the road. But as long as we're able, I think we're, we're always going to be uh, looking to go on the road because we just love doing it, you know. And if we're making new records, then that's what you want to do is take that new record out on the road to your fans. And uh, as long as we're physically able, then I guess you know we'll we'll buck till we drop. Well, hopefully you're not going to stop anytime soon. Is there anything else you guys want to leave us with? Thank you for answering all my questions. I always like to give people a chance at the end to discuss anything they would like. Oh, just, just a, I, I want people to listen to the record and buy the record, you know, and if they don't, then they're letting us down. <laughs> well, it, once they listen to this, they have to, because it's going to be great. I can't wait for the tour. Hopefully you guys will come to the States in 2020. The world will be all right. Robin Campbell and Jimmy Brown. Everyone needs to follow you guys on Instagram and all your other social platforms. But I really appreciate you guys. I am so excited for the new music, the tour. And thank you for entertaining my trip down Nostalgia Lane before we got to the current stuff, which I can't wait for. Okay. Thank you, David. Thank Thank you you. guys so much. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review. Because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones. And the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're Behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon, because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you, guys. See you soon.